good Thursday morning. Welcome to the WLBB Community Voice here on News Talk 1330 FM 106.3, streaming live online at Newstalk1330.com. This morning, we're on the News Talk 1330 WLBB Facebook page. I'm probably going to talk very fast during uh, this program for multiple reasons, including uh, the fact that I'm uh, kind of tired. My guest this morning, I mean, she actually kept me up way past my bedtime last night. Do with that uh, what you will. But uh, actually, she and uh, uh, several other individuals took part in the Carroll County uh, Democrat um, uh, debate last night in Villa Rica. And, um, you know, it's past my bedtime. An old, old guy likes to get to bed by uh, 6.30 if I can, but stayed up to that. And, uh, you know, and kudos and congratulations to the Carroll County Democrats for putting on a good show, good attendance last night, and, um, and entertaining and informative by the candidates as well. Leslie McPherson is one of those candidates who spoke out last night. She is a former Villarica City Council person, um, again, one of four people who is running for mayor this fall in the city of gold. Early voting starts Monday. Leslie, good morning. Good morning. That was really fast, and I'm glad you explained about the stay up late at night. Cause I could have I just thought, left that dangle. Wait it, a, I was going to mention also that your husband's I did not town have you them. out at karaoke somewhere no. or something like that. <laughs> well, introduce yourself. Give us a nice little brief bio, Life of Leslie, if you can. Oh, gosh, a brief one. Well, I, I grew up in Delray Beach, Florida. That's, uh, well, I was born there, so I was a native Floridian, raised my children there, and I joke about being a refugee to Georgia mm -hmm. <laughs> because, to be honest, I was looking for a little southern hospitality. It got crowded. It got expensive. So I know a little bit about explosive growth and what can happen when you put a lot of people into a small area. Mm -hmm. And uh, But uh, eventually got the last one graduated. My husband worked in the school system up here for a little while. And I came in, substitute taught. I have been a teacher's aide. I have done substitute teaching. But a lot of my, uh, I mean, a lot of what I did was raising my children and volunteer work. And I'm self-educated in a lot of ways after high school and my years of college just because I realized a lot of things that I didn't get in school, whether it was philosophy of governing and just staying up on current events and watching the way government works and re-educating myself, basically. Is it two and a half terms as councilwoman, or is it one and a half? Two and a half. Two and a half. Ten mm -hmm. years as councilwoman for city. Well, I'm at nine at this point. Okay. Yeah. Nine so, and a half. Well, you know, I mean, so, that's, yeah. and it's a position, it's a role you get to vote, and you get to focus on a smaller portion. Although you have a heart for the whole, whole city at that time, you get to focus on a smaller portion of the city. Why, uh, why the change? Why, why to, uh, you know, to oversee, so to speak, the entire city now and leave that ward? I don't know how you knew to ask that question because that really is pertinent to me. I loved my council seat. I liked that smaller, more intimate, uh, intimate situation where you know a lot of your constituents. You're out there looking at things. You're communicating back and forth. And I still think you can do that as a mayor. It's going to be more complicated, right? You've got five times the area, five times the number of people. but And you don't get a boat. Unless you have a tiebreaker, right? That is true. That is true. And but the problem is when the when the um, can you tell I'm struggling with saying this? I'm just gonna say it. When the person in the situation or the position of the mayor is not operating within the city charter, then the powers they're supposed to stay within without a vote is limited. It's quite limited, but you still have the bully pulpit. You have the, um, you know, you have the veto power. Mm -hmm. That's quite powerful, and you do vote when there's a tie, and that occurs now and then. But 
I gave up my council seat that I loved because I did not think we could take four more years of the direction we're going and what I've seen going on the last several years. Well, as mayor, then what what would you be doing different? What would be the difference um, with you as the mayor compared to the last four years? Okay. Well, one thing that'll be very different is operating within the city charter, which is our city constitution. And making sure that the council themselves are brought in on a lot more things, that things aren't preempted prior to the time it reaches the council. So are those things against the city charter that you're uh, suggesting? You know, when you say, I will do things, you know, that fit in the city charter, are these the in particular things? Restrain the powers of the mayor to what's allowed. But but what was was going on that isn't allowed prior? Okay, well, okay, so I'll give one example. Because... We could go on and on if I gave too many. Mm-hmm. Uh, one example was even back uh, during COVID. And there was, and this happened in a number of government entities locally where they wanted to do incentives uh, for people to get the shot, okay? So what happened was the mayor decided that he liked that idea to give an incentive. And it was mentioned to all of us, so we were talked about, you know, what do you think about this idea individually? And, you know, we each gave our opinion, I suppose, individually based on whatever story each of us was told, because we never talked about it in a public meeting. And the next thing we knew, something had been instituted that we had never voted on. We didn't vote on it till it was instituted. It not only spent money that wasn't budgeted, I found out about it because I saw posters on it in City Hall about get vaccinated and get this and and the thing is is it not only gave the incentive it actually changed the way employees benefits would be handled if they got COVID whether they had gotten the shot or not whether they had to use vacation time or whether their time away was going to be taken care of so it was a massive abuse of power um, that the mayor just does not have. Now that's one example. The other things without being overly specific, because I have to be careful about how I know some of the things I do. Some of them are outright. You'll see them in meetings. Because our meetings are streamed, you can pick up little tips of, well, and I've already figured out what those cuts should be. And the rest of us, well, when does the council get to participate on that part? Oh, after you've decided what cuts have been made. Our budget has never come to us with the mayor doing the transmittal letter for the budget and name on the budget itself. You know, the budget and a couple staff members, I'm sorry, on the budget, the mayor and several of our staff members, finance, you know, deputy city manager, city manager, um, put together the budget. It's always been our finance department, primarily with the city manager at the lead, and it would come to all of us. And I just feel like the council's being left out of a lot of things and that there's things that are being directed. There's things that are being directed in a way that is day-to-day operations that should be left to the staff we've hired. We are the policy setters. We're not, and it would be bad if I were down there intervening in those type of day-to-day activities. Leslie McPherson is one of four candidates running for mayor in the uh, city of Villarica, our guest on this morning's Community Voice program. Uh, We've interviewed two of the four prior to uh, Leslie, and those uh, interviews are available on the Newstalk1330.com website.
Um, so you can go back and, and compare all the candidates. Tomorrow, our guest will be Mayor uh, Gil McDougal. So hope you tune in for that at 8.30 as well. We'll take our first break right now. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to post those to the uh, News Talk 1330 Facebook page, and I will try to get them into this program. But um, as, as somebody who obviously is very well-versed and educated on what is going on in the city, I may only ask one more question, and you could probably fill that up for 20 minutes. We'll find out. Community Voice brought to you by Tanner Health System and Oak Mountain Academy. The World Language Scholar Journey at Oak Mountain Academy is designed to provide students with a clearly defined curriculum-based track to acquire essential knowledge and skills for success in biliteracy fields of study. The successful completion of this journey provides colleges with a method to recognize a rigorous foreign language immersion experience for all students at Oak Mountain Academy. I'm Patrick Uran, head of school, inviting you to journey with us on the mountain. For more information, visit us at oakmountain.us. Discover your journey at OMA. Prepare, explore, and achieve. Health is a journey. It's making better choices, even when it's not easy. It's taking care of yourself and the people you love. At Tanner Health System, we're there for you with every step, with primary care, heart care, cancer care, women's care, orthopedics, surgical services, and so much more. We're dedicated to helping you live and feel your best. So let's get on that journey to health. You've got places to be for many years to come. Find us at Tanner.org. Eight forty. Welcome back to the Community Voice Program. News Talk thirteen thirty FM one hundred six point three. Streaming live online at newstalk thirteen thirty com. This morning on the News Talk thirteen thirty WLBB Facebook page. My name is Colin Worthington. My guest is Leslie McPherson, one of four candidates running for mayor in uh, the city of Villarica. Stephanie Warmoth, who is a uh, candidate for uh, to to replace you on the uh, uh, city council seat, uh, Ward three. She's checked in. She said uh, good morning. And good morning to you as well, Stephanie. Look forward to seeing you on the program here in about two weeks, I think. Um, what is the biggest issue facing Villa Rica right now? I'm, you know, I'm going to give you the questions that, that people you know, give to me. I mean, you know, that, uh, that forum last night, that, that was a question that came through, you know, uh, 20 times. I don't know if, it's, um, if that's really what they wanted to the most or it's just a kind of an easy question. But it's, um, you know, what is, what is the biggest issue facing Villa Rica for the next five years, for the next 10 years, something that you as mayor could have a handle on? Okay, so I'm going to say there's two. I'm sorry, I just can't narrow it down to one, Colin. Um, Okay, so if you just step back, if we step back, and I know I've used this term a lot, but I'm going to say it again. If we step back and look at what's going on, because you know how it is, sometimes when you're in the middle of a hurricane or storm, you just see what's blowing around you, and you really do need to get out of the storm and look at the overall picture. So one is... Do we want to live in 10 years? Will the citizens, I, our kids, will we want to live in Villarica? What's going on? What are we moving? What's the trajectory of what we're doing that we won't be going crazy going, oh my gosh, you can't move or it's this or that. I remember driving through Atlanta multiple years ago when I didn't live here yet and going, how come they always have the orange barrels up? because it was just under construction all the time and just going through it we're like okay we're going through Atlanta brace yourself and so I think stepping back and realizing that when you're improve approving so it's growth it's growth when you're approving things one at a time over a period of years but then you also see that uptick after the crash of all the things being completed 
that were already approved, but now they're filling out all the neighborhoods, Mirror Lake expanding. You just go, goodness gracious. And that's why people are going, where'd all the trees go? Now, the fact is this, there's a whole lot of us that wouldn't live here if some trees didn't come down. Some of the very people that are going, where'd the trees go? Or how come people are moving here? Are people that have moved here in the last 10 years. I go, you know, the people that when there was only 4,000, they may have thought, why are y'all coming here? But at the same time, we did move here to be a little slower, a little quieter. We didn't want to be in a metro city. And it's kind of nice when you can just drive a half mile and see cows and horses and that sort of thing. The other thing really is the independence when it comes to water. We need to get self-sufficient ourselves where so we can handle the water. So you think that's the way to go? Water. I mean, the, 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 the choice has been thrown out there to, you know, the, to keep milking it from somebody else or to become independent. Um, that might cost a little bit more money. So is that the route that you Well, would, uh, and, and that's why it's hard. That's why it would be, oh, maybe we should just give this up. And, you know, we're not going to maintain all this. We're not going to have these employees and we're just going to buy from someone else. And that may look pleasant in the short term. But think about if you don't start it, you'll never get there. And we didn't start it for years, right? Now we have, part of our problems is what we needed to fix. When you've got things intruding into your stormwater or you've got it going into your, when you're treating stormwater, you know, in your wastewater, when you're losing your other water that you're sending out because of the decaying pipes and that sort of thing, you gotta fix that. So we have fixed part of the problem just by fixing the infrastructure. Um, I don't see, it's kind of like the reason I told you earlier, and maybe we'll, we'll get to that later, about people being in rental situations, which may not always be good. It's like, hey, this is great, you know, I don't have to take care of anything, somebody else repairs it and all, until the rent doubles. And that, that is something that you've been visibly uh, campaigning over the last year, and I, and I do want to try and touch on that. But uh, if somebody... You know, 10 years, close to 10 years on city council. Are there any votes that have kept you up at night that affected the city negatively that you think that you can look back and say, you know what, maybe I, I shouldn't have voted that way, whether it was rezoning, um, you know, any kind of other approval, any kind of uh, uh, ordinances or anything like that? You know, I've never had to handle something like annexation. And, and forgive me if I detour just a little bit and come back to the other. But because of the way we value our agricultural life on the Carroll County side, now I ha also have Douglas County people that I represent or did represent as a council person before I stepped down. There's a big part of me that even watches and says, I don't mind if we clean up our lines, but I do not want to take the county because we'll le lose that agricultural life if the cities keep expanding. Okay, you have more density in the city, but let's be careful about the way we expand outside of that. Uh, what was the question again? Um, See, I haven't had as much coffee as you. Can I have that? <laughs> yeah, Joel was making fun of it. That's, like, I, that's barely enough uh, just for right now. But, um, or, you know, being 10 years yeah. on city council, I mean, there had to have been some decisions. Votes, okay, votes got it. Later learned maybe that wasn't the best choice or anything that keeps you up at night thinking about that maybe has negatively impacted the city. You know, I haven't come up with one specifically other than when it goes back to some of the multifamily housing, there's some of those I still know I'd be okay with. And especially even though it's what we've done with the public housing, 
with Walton at Legacy, that is such a vast improvement over those 1950s duplexes that were built years ago on the Housing Authority property. So there's things like that. The workhouse uh, apartments behind Fuquay. Let's just say I'm, I'm good with Fuquay. I think the uh, road coming through there could be a game changer for our downtown which needs the revitalization and that connection from one side of town to the other. Most of us that live over there have no way to safely walk, bike, or golf cart, or whatever way you want to get down there pushing a stroller to go down for events and just make it easily accessible. It also helps those neighborhoods that are landlocked. I shouldn't say they're landlocked, but they're locked in that they safely can't walk out to any business, work, bike to it. Or it takes them 10 minutes to go yeah. just, um, you know, a quarter mile you know, as far as the, the crow flies. Um, I'm going to ask you one more question okay. before we do go to our break. Um, in recent memory, earlier this year, Villarica had addressed homelessness in the city by adopting what was called the urban camping and, uh, and a shopping cart ordinance. Um, the city attorney at that time said it was intended to make clear that we don't allow people to camp out in public areas in the city. That if you're going to camp out in the city, you at least need permission from the property owner to, to do that. Do you think... Um, I don't think it's been in effect the whole year, maybe six, seven months, but has that proven successful for that intent? And, and does the city have more of a responsibility and as far as removing the, those homeless? I mean, does it fall on the city to, to, to find something else to, to help the homeless problem itself? I think the city did that. I mean, the police department really reached out to some various churches to network and form an alliance to assist with it. Because to be honest, nonprofits usually do a whole lot better than government does on helping people in that situation. Think of uh, Impact West Georgia. On your own program, I listen to what these other organizations do. And I, when I get calls about, oh, what can we do about this? I'm like, these are the groups you need to get in touch with. What's the other one? Um, it's several. I mean, uh, Helping Hands, um, Hope Center. Yeah, of West Georgia, the whole that's putting together all the information. Community Foundation of West Georgia. Yes, community. I'm so sorry. Yeah. That's Usually <laughs> I can pull it right out, I'm telling you, even with coffee. Community Foundation of West Georgia, who will also, I think, almost act as a clearinghouse when people need help so that they're not making 20 calls trying to get what they need. And I think it's their goal to also have contact with all these nonprofits. My philosophy, and I believe it or not, articles, um, seminars, I listened to several presenters when I was in Austin, Texas some years ago, along with a documentary having to do with what other cities have done right and what they've done wrong, and giving examples and showing what's worked and what hasn't. So that's been my way of getting educated about it because I haven't exactly been the boots on the ground. So let's talk to the people who have. I believe, I kind of believe in, not kind of, I believe in what I would call compassionate enforcement. That means, no, you're not camping on our streets. It's not safe for the community. It's not safe for the people that are camping on the streets. Often you have a drug or alcohol addiction homeless people harm themselves. There's other people when they're in city environments where homeless people are taken advantage of and harmed. I've seen it in Atlanta. I haven't heard about as much here. I saw it in Florida. They're very vulnerable to other bad people that are out on the streets. And so I'm saying no, but 
we do have a responsibility to not just kick you out. Let's try to connect people to services. Now, that's easier said than done because these people are broken at a level that you don't just walk up and go, do you want to get better? We can help you. Try doing that with somebody who's drug addicted. Hey, you want to go to rehab today? It doesn't happen that way. Time right now is 8.50. My guest this morning, Leslie McPherson, one of four candidates running for mayor in the city of Villarica. We'll come back with about eight minutes and um, some hard-hitting questions after this. Community Voice brought to you by Tanner Health System, Oak Mountain Academy. Oak Mountain Academy is an innovative school of academic excellence celebrating a 61-year legacy. I'm Patrick Uran, head of school, inviting you to join us for our annual fall festival. On Friday, October 27th at 3.30 p.m., join us at the OMA gym for food, fun, and fellowship. Costume, games, raffles, and competitions are just a few of our fall festival exciting activities. For more information, visit us at oakmountain.us. Discover your journey at OMA. Prepare, explore, and achieve. Health is a journey. It's making better choices, even when it's not easy. It's taking care of yourself and the people you love. At Tanner Health System, we're there for you with every step, with primary care, heart care, cancer care, women's care, orthopedics, surgical services, and so much more. We're dedicated to helping you live and feel your best. So let's get on that journey to health. You've got places to be for many years to come. Find us at Tanner.org. Eight fifty one. Welcome back to the Community Voice. My name is Colin Worthington. My guest Leslie McPherson, one of four candidates running for mayor in uh, Villarica. Early voting starts on Monday. Election day is November the seventh, uh, and in Villarica, you'll be able to vote at Powell Park one week before that whole week before uh, November the seventh. But mm-hmm. until then, you get to come up here to Carroll uh, Carrollton to uh, vote early. Got three questions that I do want to get in in eight okay. minutes. We'll okay. see how that works out, Leslie. All right. Um, earlier this year. Photos were posted to the Villarica Police Department Facebook page showing participants using an image of a black male as a target during firearm safety class. I believe everybody knows what the, what, what happened after that. How do you feel about the way the city responded? Um, and do you believe that police officers felt like the city had their back, so to speak, during that what transpired? And uh, was it necessary to have their back at that point? I don't think it's so much about having someone's back, but if you say you're innocent till proven guilty... I think it's important to withhold judgment. I see the news entities do this all the time. They'll give a two-minute story, and then they'll say, and what's your opinion? And they're asking citizens to make an opinion on something that they know this much about. And so how often have you seen a news story where something comes out, and then all of a sudden the story is diametrically different or you find out that it's false or there was some other explanation so I'm not saying that what was done was okay I'm saying don't jump on it right away hold off and let's wait and you see it on social media of course all the time because it's immediate people get on there and I'm sure I've been guilty of seeing something go oh my gosh you know you hear something about someone I'm just like Better just wait. And I think maybe some of that some of that wisdom comes with experiencing those things. No, I do not believe. Uh, I don't want to call it the city reaction because I don't think one person getting out and making statements represents the entire city, although it can be perceived sure, that way. Sure. So it's not about having their back. It's about, okay, let's find out what happened. And yeah, that's not a good look, but let's just find out what's behind it. 
I did read the entire report. I read the unredacted report. And decisions were being made before about what we should do before that report was even available, before the investigation was done. Things were being pushed for us to approve and do. And the unredacted had names, uh, maybe a little bit more detail in other ways. So after I read that, basically what I walked away from was this. They have all types of you know, um, real life ones that they use, real life situation, people in the, um, in the targets. When I took the class, it was basically silhouette. And so I didn't have the experience of dealing with the real life ones. I did a lot of reading of what instructors use the report. Other, uh, I read the explanations that others gave that were trainers that knew something about how this works. Usually they use a variety with the police department. I do get why they use real life ones. I understand that a lot better now. Um, they have to know when they're shooting that it's a human being, that they have to see what they're wearing, what they're, what they're holding, how they're holding the firearm. Uh, could they be you know, hiding something somewhere else. So I get that. And they have to be able to not hesitate when they're looking at something that looks like a real human being. So I get that. I don't believe in the classes with people like us that's necessary. They did have someone who isn't the one who usually goes in and gets those targets and that they did pull a target out that was out of the box that or off the top because my understanding is they order them of 100 packs. So I don't understand. I didn't quite get if they come in stacks of the different ones and you have to thumb through and pull out a variety or if they just pull off the top. Now, do I think that when you step back and looked at all of them and go, oh, that doesn't really look good. You know, it's hard for me to get in somebody else's head. To me, it didn't. You know, just as a regular citizen, after the fact, I'm looking going, oh, that doesn't look good. The optics are really bad. But it's hard for me, like I said, to get in their head and they're putting them up. Everybody's getting ready. Um, so you know what? Probably a judgment call needed to be done on that. But here's the thing. Not only did we rush to judgment before reading the report about how it all played out and who was there in the class and what they thought, but we, um, we made decisions that are going to cost taxpayers a lot of money because the police department does already have training in this area. Do I believe our police department is systemically racist? No, I don't. And I saw comments like that. Well, this just goes to show that, you know, the whole department has this issue and people just won't admit it. There is the regular training already occurring. The report did recommend that we did some sort of enhanced training. Okay, so we do some enhanced training, but what they what they did. And you know what? I was in on it first. And, and this may be a vote that I may even feel differently down the road because things were coming very quick. And that's when you make decisions that aren't good. They come very quick instead of stepping back. So we didn't even have the report in hand far enough advanced to be thoroughly uh, educated on it. And we're basically going to spend at least 10 maybe 20 or more thousand dollars on enhanced training 
and something that we probably could have done for a couple thousand dollars. You have one minute left, Leslie, so that's the burden of having a guest who does know a lot about what is going on at the city and the topics and a lot to say. So just, you know, with one minute to go, I mean, are you still doing door-to-door campaigns? How can people touch with you on Facebook, to call you if they have questions that uh, weren't addressed uh, today? Uh, I have email. My phone number is out there everywhere. It's been put on hundreds and hundreds of doors as well, aside from being, uh, you know, on the, well, it was on the city website. Yeah. Yeah, And I'm sorry we didn't get to talk about the seniors and rentals. I will pound that. I'll come in for a separate one just to address that topic. There is a chance there'll be a runoff (laughs) and there's a chance you can participate in that. So maybe we can address that then. But again, thank you. Thank uh, you. For coming out and talking. Uh, thank you for watching and listening to our program this morning. Tomorrow, 8.30, Community Voice Program, Mayor Gil McDougall will be on uh, the program, and he'll be the fourth uh, candidates of the four candidates for mayor that we will be uh, interviewing. So, uh, you know, you can after you watch that, you can have a two-hour party on Saturday or Sunday and just watch them all together. <laughs> uh, again, thank you. And um, catch you tomorrow morning at 8.30. I think, you know, I was going to say, you know, Gil will, won't have the benefit of me being a, a sleepy tomorrow, but I'm going to stay up late and watch the Mountaineers tonight. So uh, yeah, maybe just a sleepy for him. So, all right, 8.59. Stay tuned for National News. Glenn Beck, Community Voice, as always, brought to you by Tanner Health System and Oak Mountain Academy. Have a great Thursday. Stay dry.